Beltone Hearing Aid Center presents The Drive. Ready, fight. The Drive. Elmore deep, left side, three, it's good! From 30 feet, John Elmore! The Drive with Paul Swan. Welcome into the September 19th edition. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for joining me on this Wednesday edition. Coming up this hour, we're going to be talking a little Cincinnati Bengals football with you. I've got the studio host on the Bengals Radio Network joining me in a few short minutes. Wayne Box Miller will be joining us, so we'll talk to him about the Bengals, their upcoming matchup against Carolina the resurgence of the Bengals. They're 2-0 right now. I just want to point that out. So we're going to talk to him. Plus, we'll get your phone calls in at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. I've got some player interviews uh, we still haven't got to. I've got a few guys I still want to hear from. I've got Malik Thompson. I've got Artis Johnson, just to name a few. Uh, we'll try to hear from the quarterback himself, Isaiah Green. So I've got a few of those squirreled away from Monday. So we'll try to get to those if time permits. And, of course, as I said, we got your phone calls and we got the news of the day. So let's get into that right now. First of all, the most important item, I think, coming down the line today was that it's going to be, and this has been out there for a little while, but the press release came out today. It's going to be Reggie Oliver Day. So Saturday, game day, it's been declared by Student Government Association and Marshall Athletics as Reggie Oliver Day. And, of course, this is in memory of Mr. Oliver, passed away on August 14th. So, big game. I would think you would want to do this during a really big game, and this is the one you probably want to do it with. So, you've got a game that's going to be televised nationally on CBS Sports Network, Reggie Oliver Day. That might get some TV play as well. Um, this is what uh, Mike Hamrick said in the release. He said Reggie was an inspiration to his teammates, the players he coached, and the entire Marshall community. Hamrick added he will be missed in so many ways by the entire Marshall family, and we want to give him a deserved tribute in front of his herd family, teammates, and fans who loved him and appreciated his lifelong devotion to Marshall football. So there's going to be a pregame video, and I'm interested to see that. So, that's another reason to come to the stadium early. If you want to take a look at that, see what that is about. 654 is the pregame video. In other words, get off the west lot and get into the stadium if you want to see that. So I'm excited about that just because Reggie was such a, a vibrant personality. So that's pretty cool. Reggie Oliver Day is going to be taking place at the Marshall game against NC State. Now, the game is coming up. Not a sellout yet, so the final push to to sell this thing out, they're going to stripe the stadium. And SB Nation, in one of their previews, the North Carolina site, the NC State site, observed this. Now, they're not calling the herd out for anything. They've been pretty good in their coverage. I thought that their stuff has been pretty solid. Hasn't been that juvenile stuff you see between media outlets certain sites where, well, they cash in on just being juvenile. Instead, SB Nation, you might want to say it's fanish a little bit, but it's more of affinity sites. So like how rivals started building up. Instead of just covering college football, they had affinity sites. So fan sites. SB Nation may be a, a notch or two above that. But here is um, one quote from the story from backingthepack.com, just talking about the fact that 
the running game's going to have a difficult time taking on the Thundering Herd. And they did mention some things surrounding the game, and here's the quote about this game being hyped up. They said in their story, the program is using this as a hype opportunity. Obviously, NC State has a number of these games this season, red out, white out, black out. It's in service of marketing, but also to get more energy from the crowd. That being said, as of Tuesday afternoon, the game is definitely not sold out. Also, hashtag strike the Joan is a less than optimal hashtag. You can do better. So, the SB site saying, eh, no, that's not the best way to go about this. So, I'm throwing this out. You can respond on Twitter, at Paul Swan. What would be the best hashtag to promote this? How's the best way to market this? At Paul Swan's my Twitter handle, so throw me your best stuff. Is Stripe the Joan not good enough, or is it just NC State site, maybe not getting it, not down with it, and do you care? So Stripe the Joan, could it be better? And wouldn't it have been cool to have a green out or a white out instead than a stripe situation? There's so much logistical headaches here. You're trying to stripe the stadium. And if you pull it off, it looks great. If you don't pull it off, it kind of looks like, uh, well, nice try. Hopefully for the Herd fans uh, who are attending this thing, they they know their color designation. And it's going to be real easy for you. It's either going to be green or it's going to be white. So find out your color designation. I'm talking to you, Herd fan, that comes in with the pink Herd shirt. You know who you are. I'm talking to you. Coming in with that multicolored stuff. It's green or it's white. That's it. That's your colors. Green or white. No to our tie-dye shirt-wearing producer, Gabriel Sellers. You're a Marshall student. It's green or white. I expect green or white wardrobe from you as well. He's not allowed to speak on the program, and there are reasons why for that. One thing being certain, though, that tie-dye shirt is its interesting. Can't say something nice about it. I won't say anything at all. So it's an, it's an interesting shirt. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to talk Bengals football. Wayne Box Miller is going to join me. I'm looking forward to talking to him. The Bengals are 2-0. and That's right, 2-0. and So he's going to join us on the other side of the break. We'll have some player interviews for you as well from Player Day, and we'll take your phone calls as well. This is The Drive. We are presented by Beltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Don't worry. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition. We are presented by Belltown Hearing Aid Center here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. And let's turn our attention to my other favorite subject, the Cincinnati Bengals. And joining me now on the program, he is part of the Cincinnati Bengals radio network. He takes care of you during the pregame and the postgame. He is Wayne Box Miller and... Wayne, you've had a great season so far. Started the job a few months ago, and the Bengals are now 2-0. and So I'm thinking that's a direct result of something you're doing, right? Yeah, I'd like to think so, and I'm going to stick to that until anything changes. But, uh, yeah, they're off to a great start. I mean, you think about last year when they started 0-2 and uh, made an abrupt change with the offensive coordinator replacing 
uh, Zampezi with Bill Lazor. So, you know, what a difference the year makes. Is it just that fact that, okay, we've got some time now to, to get everything in place and maybe some of the doubters uh, didn't see this coming? Because I really feel that there are a lot of people still feel that maybe this 2-0 and is uh, fool's gold right now. Well, you know, they don't ask you how, they ask you how many. And, uh, you know, whether people think it's fool's gold, you beat Baltimore, which means you've got to win in your division, which is always important. Uh, you won your opening game, and you came back uh, from a lead uh, or a deficit, and you showed a lot of resiliency. So, you know, you can you can cut it up however you want it. 2-0 is 2-0, and I think in both games, this team showed what they're capable of. First time in history that the uh, Bengal team has put back-to-back 34-point games together in their first two games of the season. So when you look at the storied history of this franchise, to put up 34 points back-to-back for the first time speaks to the weapons on this offense. I mean, we know that between Mixon and Bernard and Green and Boyd and uh, John Ross and Tyler Eifert, I mean, they're just a multitude of weapons on this squad. So uh, there should be some expectation of you putting points on the board with those kind of weapons. And uh, let's give the offensive line credit to date. They've given Andy Dalton protection and uh, given him a chance to throw the ball. That seems to be the big difference there because sometimes Andy would get in trouble and that was because the protection wasn't there. So that maybe caused a few more interceptions. It feels like he's a little bit more secure back there now. The passes have been better. And, of course, uh, A.J. Green has definitely been on top of his game. He was so amazing in that game against Baltimore. If you were a fantasy football team owner and you had him on your squad, you won You won the day. You won the day. He's a special guy. I mean, he's a special wide receiver. And I don't say this because I work with the Bengals, but I would take A.J. Green over Odell Beckham any day only because there's no drama and there's no controversy. There's no dissension. There's no uh, unpredictability with A.J. Green. He's going to show up. He's going to punch in. He's going to work hard. He's going to punch out and he's going to go home. And you don't have to worry about, you know, getting phone calls or media uh, controversy and things with him. He's just a, a gifted guy. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for Baltimore, um, they waited too late to realize that they should have had safety help over the top from the word go. But uh, he made a couple of great plays. I mean, you know, broke a tackle and got in the end zone. Uh, a lot was made about the coaches. I think you and I talked about this in preseason. I was very excited about the coaches that they added, one of them, Frank Pollock. And uh, he's very demanding. He's a little different, uh, a very aggressive coach. And you can see the result. Uh, this offensive line is still not where they want to be, and they'll tell you that. But, I mean, they're getting the job done. Wayne Box Miller joining us. He is part of the Cincinnati Bengals radio network, taking care of you, starting your day, ending your day. And, of course, it's always a good day when the Bengals win. So 2-0 and now, and I'm a little concerned the news came in today that things seem to be better than maybe what at least I thought they would be initially, that uh, you know, Mixon is going to be okay. They had his surgery on Saturday, so he's just now filling it out, trying to get back to when he feels comfortable. Was there sort of a just an apprehension that, oh, no, things are going well and we might lose this guy when he went down? Well, I, I think that many people didn't realize that there was even an issue that would require surgery because he's such a tough kid. 
uh, a hard runner and uh you know just uh apparently and again i'm not a medical person but it appears that they said it was a slight tear um but the but the bad news for real is that trey carson had an injury and uh you know they waived him to injured reserve and brought in thomas rawls so what once was a very robust and healthy position at running back is now down to Giovanni Bernard, uh, fourth-round pick Mark Walt, and then they brought in Thomas Rawls. So uh, Trey Carson nor uh, Joe Mixon will be available against Carolina. Wayne Box-Miller, our guest, and that's the next opponent. Bengals are taking on Carolina. This looks like a... In years past, I thought this might be a tougher game, but this one seriously looks winnable with the Bengals because you know Carolina's going to score, but can they stop the Bengals? That seems to be the bigger question this week is, can that Carolina defense withstand the Bengals the way they've been producing as of late? Yeah, because, you know, they gave up points against uh, Atlanta, you know, and as you said, uh, they, they not, they're not world beaters. I think one of the interesting matchups will be when you look at Michael Johnson and Carlos Dunlap, uh, Cam Newton is not typically used to seeing defensive linemen as tall as him, but conversely, they're not used to seeing a quarterback that's 6'5", uh, who's nimble and the gifted. So there may be a nice little uh, matchup there that a lot of people aren't focusing on because Cam, uh, with his release point at that height, can throw over a lot of lines. But with Michael Johnson and uh, Carlos Dunlap, getting those hands up in the air could pose a problem for him because he's just not used to that. And also this team seems to have a little bit more confidence going in. You start out 2-0, and as we mentioned. They're on top of the division. Everybody else is right now looking up at the Bengals, and that's a nice feeling to have. Steelers aren't looking as invincible as they used to. Cleveland's better, but still they're still having their troubles, and you just took out Baltimore, and you know, Baltimore really looked like at times uh, they were not very good. I mean, the Bengals caused a lot of those problems there. You can say Flacco was having a bad day, but I think that was more of the Bengals causing all that. So this is, I think, one of those rare situations where you're looking at, okay, this could be a 3-0 and team going to the Atlanta matchup. I mean, this could be a team that could really win this first half of the season before they get to the bye. I mean, no, we're talking weeks away, but still – this is the first time I've been really this optimistic in a while, the way they've been performing. Yeah, you know, they uh, have put themselves in position to win football games, and uh, they're going into the game three with that same mindset. I mean, you've got uh, 14 one-game seasons still on the docket, but I think uh, when we talked about uh, the defensive coordinator coming in from Detroit and uh, bringing in his style of football, you know, they've got five turnovers in the first two games, so when you look at that element, you already say, wow, they said they wanted to put the emphasis on turnovers. They got turnovers. They're happening. Uh, You've got a lot of guys up front now that are healthier and in the rotation, like Andrew Billings, who set out the first couple of years. Jordan Willis is in his second year. Sam Hubbard, you know, a rookie's come in and already made an impact, got a first sack. He's also lining up as a pullback and some special packages at the goal line. So, you know, this defense with Preston Brown and um, some of the other players, you know, putting up uh, some great effort, leadership, and statistics, you know, you, you've got some good things going on. And Jesse Bates, a lot of people were questioning why you would let George Iloka go, but 
in two games, Jesse Bates has proven that he's a pretty smart, heady football player and, and knows where to be when it's time to make plays. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that Yeah, the initial player you know, doubts that, okay, we're retooling our lineup seems to have worked out. And uh, I think I've been more impressed with the defense than I have the offense. I know that's saying something, but that defense has been really aggressive, the right kind of aggressive. And that's on top of an offense, uh, Wayne, that I think that has been more of a let's go attack for once. Uh, I thought they got a little too aggressive in a couple of spots, but that's hindsight here. They really, on both sides of the ball, have been a more aggressive attacking team this season in two games. Well, you know, both coaches, Coach Terrell Austin, the defensive coordinator, likes to play on the other side of the ball. That's what he likes. He also likes to create turnovers, uh, and we talked about that. But Coach Pollock, the offensive line coach, his philosophy is to be aggressive as well. So uh, where you had a coach, offensive line coach, before uh, Coach Paul Alexander, who may have approached the offensive line scheme a little different, uh, Coach Pollock likes to be a little bit more aggressive on offense. And so when you're attacking, uh, you're trying to at least make uh, contact with the defender right at the snap or at least push them off to the other side of the ball and get Joe Mixon a little running room. I mean, you're going to have some good things happen. Or if you're able to give Andy Dalton, as you said earlier, a little bit more time to throw, Every quarterback looks better when you give them time to throw. I mean, that's Tom Brady included. You look at Jacksonville game, uh, he had to get rid of the ball several times before he wanted to because of pressure. So I think this defense is playing with a lot of confidence. There's a nice mix of young and old. I mean, uh, uh, William Jackson and Dre Kirkpatrick, uh, two corners that are fast, both have uh, length in terms of their arm and wingspan, and uh, both are playing pretty good. Um, you look at the linebacking core, uh, Preston Brown missed the Baltimore game, but Nick Vigil and Jordan Evans and, you know, Vinny Ray and, you know, just a, a cast of linebackers that love to play the game are out there playing. And then up front, Carlos Dunlap, pro bowler, Michael Johnson, have uh, been a pro bowler. You got uh, um, Andrew Billings, who I think is just really going to have a good year. You've got Sam Hubbard, who's already making noise and, Jordan Willis in this second year. I think Jordan Willis is just really an underrated uh, player. But uh, these guys, man, uh, Ryan Glasgow, their their rotation is pretty impressive up front. So when you get in the fourth quarter against this defense, um, you, you're going to still be getting pressure like you were in the first quarter. Is that the key to contain Cam Newton? He's been sacked, about, I think, five times uh, already this year. He's been hit nine times. Is it going to be more important for them just to keep that pressure on him, try to contain him? What's what's the solution to Cam Newton to stop him? Just get him or just contain him? Well, it's it's discipline. You know, when you when you have a, a rush pack, you know, whether that's, you know, just basic driving toward the quarterback, you can't let him get outside of that because he'll hurt you. Or if you get a little just a little bit lazy in your discipline and then you create an opportunity for him to run the ball, that's where Cam Newton hurts you. But you keep any quarterback in the pocket and get pressure right up the middle, it makes it very difficult for him to throw again. If he tries to get outside, he's going to have two bookends that are as tall as him. And, uh, you know, that's a challenge for him too. If you think back to the Super Bowl, uh, uh, DeMarcus Ware, 
uh, and Von Miller were making life very hard on him because they were putting pressure on the edges. So I think that you just want to keep him in the pocket, make it difficult for him, make him uncomfortable. But if he decides to run with the ball, if you're, you know, disciplined and where you should be, then he doesn't have a lot of real estate from which to choose uh, directionally where to run. Wayne Box Miller is our guest from the Bengals radio network. So the Bengals are on top of the division no matter what happens, but you like to extend that on Sunday with the win. Looking at the rest of the division right now, is it as bad as it looks for Cleveland and Pittsburgh? And, of course, Baltimore, um, we still really don't know what they're about. They Their first true test was against the Bengals. They failed there. And Buffalo is just really not a good team right now. So where's the rest of this division stand right now? And how advantageous is that, it seems, for the Bengals at this point? Well, you you know, you really want to win every division game you can. And to your point, get them early, get them often. But Flacco has struggled at Paul Brown Stadium. Statistically, if you look back over his career, it's not been one of his favorite places to play. So, you know, credit the Bengals for taking advantage of that. Uh, putting him in a position where he was uncomfortable yet again. Uh, I think we all know that Pittsburgh is going to figure some things out. Now, is this atypical of the Steelers? Yes. I mean, this is uh, early in the season. There's a little bit of state of disarray. I don't know how much that has to do with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Antonio Brown, you know, uh, getting a little testy on Sunday. But you never count them out. You know, they just have a culture of winning. And whatever's wrong, they're going to write it some kind of way. You know, the Browns played tough, you know, two games. They had the Steelers on the ropes in game one. They had three chances, I think, to close out their game. They could not do it. Then in New Orleans, you know, the kicker, Gonzalez, uh, who was let go. I mean, you know, he missed several field goals and extra points. And, I mean, for a team that's struggling to come out of the, the doldrums and come out of the basement, I mean, you just can't continue shooting yourself in the foot uh, when you have – your offense or defense of both sides of the ball fighting for, you know, 58 minutes and 30 seconds or 59 minutes and 45 seconds and something like that happens. So I think the Browns are much improved. I think everybody knows that. But you also made a great point. Buffalo is not a good football team. They're just not. And, you know, it was fool's gold when they put those points up. Um, Baltimore did against Buffalo. And then when they came here, I think everybody found out, you know, there's a lot more work that has to be done for Baltimore to be a team that is uh, playoff worthy. Bengals are taking on Carolina. We're going to have that game for you starting at 1130 on Sunday morning. And then you're going to take us all the way to uh, probably 5, 6. If it's, a, if it's a Carolina loss, I mean, let's just go all the way to 6 or 7 p.m. I, I know those uh, post games have been fun so far for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we got a few other obligations, so we, you know, some of those things are out of our control, but it would be nice to celebrate win number three, that's for sure. But you guys can go till seven or so. I mean, we, we'll pick up Sunday night football at like 7.30 here, so you, you can at least take me to 7.30 with that. Take some calls and you know, let, the, let the Bengals fans celebrate with you. Yeah, yeah, well, as they say in corporate America, we'll take that under advisement. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh <laughs> It was fun listening. Um, I didn't get a chance. I wanted to come to that the Thursday night game. Um, I didn't get a chance to come, but it was fun listening to uh, all the fun going on in the pregame for sure. Uh, it feels like the the fans are really. Uh, I mean, Bengals fans are great anyway, but it, it just felt like there was a lot more energy uh, this time around, knowing that 
you, you beat Indianapolis, you got that off your back finally, and then you take on – is it fair to say Baltimore is probably more hated some days than Cleveland and Pittsburgh, or am I, am I going too far there? Yeah, a little bit too far. Okay. Pittsburgh is uh, numero uno, but there is a very uh, respectful rivalry because prior to this game they were dead even in wins and losses. So uh, th- this rivalry is probably pretty good in the sense of every year nobody can really take a two- or three-game lead in the series. It- it's just that evenly balanced, but it's not to the degree of Pittsburgh who seemingly has uh, been a thorn in our side for longer than we would care to admit. So. You know, the Cleveland rivalry would get better when Cleveland gets better, but it's not what it used to be. I think clearly the Steelers are, you know, the one that we would love to beat and uh, uh, beat again. Well, I know my most annoying friends are all Steelers fans, so um, I, I'm with you there on that. I can say that. I have plenty. Hey, I have pl- You see, you're lucky. You're in Cincinnati. You don't have that. I got to deal with that here, so I can I can say that that this they're. You know, there are more Steeler fans here than you would believe, and it's even there's one bar, Martino's, I think is the name of it, uh, is Steeler Central. So they all meet up and watch the game. There's a couple of those places. But, you know, you know we're looking forward to playing them this year, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, at, at some point, you know, you have to tell Big Brother it's time for me to, to grow up and move on. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this team responds this year. Wayne Box Miller is our guest. He is part of the Bengals Radio Network. 11.30 Sunday morning, we'll have his broadcast, uh, and he'll take you all the way to the game, and then he'll take you home after the win over Carolina. I'm already writing it down as a W. Wayne, thanks, buddy. Appreciate you joining me. Uh, we'll do it again real soon. It's been super fun. Absolutely, man. Uh, hello, and uh, hope everybody's safe over there on the East Coast. We're doing well. Thank you, sir. Okay. That is Wayne Box Miller from the Bengals Radio Network. We're going to come back and... Uh, We're going to dive a little bit more into this Marshall game. I've got Malik Thompson. I've got Artis Johnson. We'll get their thoughts on the upcoming game when we continue here on The Drive. We are presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center here on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Game day is almost upon us. We've hit Wednesday. That means we are full speed ahead down towards that game now. Wednesday is hum day. It's felt like it this week, just crawling up that hill. So now we're going down the hill, speeding towards Marshall and NC State. Should be a fun one. It's not going to be a sellout. Unless, unless you get your tickets. I'm not shilling for the ticket office. I'm not telling you to buy your tickets, but uh, ticket sales are good from what I understand, but there's still opportunity for you. So if you want to go see a football game on Saturday, you got an opportunity to see the herd, a team that's going to really give NC State, I think, a, a, a great challenge, and NC State, a quality team. ACC team coming in, Huntington, Jones Edwards Stadium. This would be a fun game. And you haven't seen herd football in a couple weeks. So there you go. I Maybe I am expecting herd fans to show up and sell out. Your expectations may vary, but I'd like to see it. I'd like to see this one. Just show up at Jones Edwards Stadium. Crowd is filling up the west lot. You get into the stadium, 
people are jammed in there. College football Saturday at its finest in Huntington. That would be fun. I'd like to see that. So there you go. That's my challenge to you. Again, I'm not I'm not telling you to go. I'm not trying to sell tickets for the ticket office, but this is it. Circle this one on the calendar. Here it is. First or second biggest game on the schedule, depending on importance, because that FAU game could loom large down the line. But NC State, major opponent coming in, put up or shut up time, and that's where I'm going with that. All right. We've got a couple of player interviews I want to get to. First up, uh, caught up with Malik Thompson. Now, here's a guy that's kind of benefited from not having a Ryan B in that lineup, and he's definitely thrived, and that means he's gotten important playing time, and he is also going to be an important part of that lineup, that depth. He's going to be able to go in there, rotate in and out. You're going to have some guys, and Malik Thompson, one of those guys that's really benefited from not having a Ryan B there because of that opportunity that was afforded him, and he took charge of that. So on Monday, I'm talking to these guys. Again, I'm asking them about just, hey, what's the transition like? You're going from South Carolina to NC State game prep, and here's what Malik said as we talked to him about that and heading into the NC State game. Uh, big change, like Dog always says, sudden change. So we just uh, took it as a extra a couple extra days to, uh, to get ready for NC State, get a jump ahead. So you're a little bit better prepared now. Yeah, well, most at definitely. this point in the game. Yeah, it feel like we're just going into like uh, the bowl game. You know, a bowl game. You have extra days to get prepared, just like that, going into the NC State game. So at this point of the week, you know a little bit more about NC State. What have you seen about them? This year, what, are you, what can you tell us about? Uh, you see that they have a lot of different schemes. Knowing that some of their seniors uh, left, or graduated, or left, or went to go to the league, we know that they have uh, different formations. Or to add on what they did last year, just with the little bit of film we looked at by by now, uh, seeing that they have different uh, different techniques and different formations to go going into this year. So this is a team that this program is familiar with. Yeah, most definitely. So um, it kind of helps that you've got a little longer time to get ready for mm-hmm. them at the same time. Yeah, there, there are tendencies that this NC State, you've seen them already. They mm-hmm. can't do too many things different. Hey, most definitely. Uh, we know that they got us on a lot of uh, trick plays last year, so we just have to be prepared for that. And we know looking at film from other games that that's what they like to do. They like to uh, take advantage of people uh, undisciplined eyes. So just going into this game, we got to focus on that. So pass-heavy team this year. Mm-hmm. Family back, top yeah. five receivers back. Um, how big of a challenge is that for you guys in the secondary, knowing that more than likely they're going to be passing? Oh, most definitely. We know that it's going to be really a lot, a lot of weight on us this week, um, knowing that they like to pass the ball, and that's what Finley does the best, getting the ball to all his receivers, and make, and it's the perfect throws too. He making sure that they they getting the ball, just spreading out the uh, defense and doing what they like to do. Take me through this for you last year. If I remember right, this was your first start. Yeah, first start. 17 tackles in your mm-hmm. first start. What what was the juice like going in for, for that uh, game, that atmosphere, and, and how did you assert yourself quickly? Just uh, treating it like every game. Like, uh, I go into every game not thinking about the crowd and how big the fans or what. I just think about just playing football, basically. Just going back to, like, when you was little, playing in the backyard. It's just football at the end of the day. Just because you got fans don't change anything. Football at the end of the day. So just going into each game, having that mindset, just having that assignment and knowing what I have to do football-wise and not getting outside of that box is 
how I can stay focused. If I remember right, you made the, fir- the first tackle of the game on, on kickoff. How does that help calm you down going into that just knowing how the game speed is going to be and just how my the opponent is going to be going down, running down, and making the tackle just helps me get used to making tackles throughout the whole game. Decided that the NC State's coming here. Mm-hmm. Oh, most definitely. It's going to be a big game. I know it's going to be packed. Is there any extra excitement now that you just, you missed a week and mm-hmm. you didn't get to play on Saturday? So. I think everybody's like on the edge of their seat, just ready to get back on the field. Because it's like we had a bye week when we wasn't supposed to have a bye week, so everybody's just anxious to play the next game. Next for film study. I know that you know Finley. I think he's gone for three hundred plus in both mm-hmm. of the first games, but they haven't really been able to establish a run. And, and you all have also kept teams one dimensional. Is it is it one of those deals where you you expect them to try and establish a run, or would you rather you know try and make them one dimensional? Uh, just going on like film and knowing what. They did last game, just going into this week. We're just going to try to uh, be all around, try to stop the run game, stop the pass game, just try to do everything we can do to slow down Finley and his explosive offense. You, you uh, mentioned the trick plays. Mm-hmm. Most of Some of their you know, routine stuff that they had had working mm-hmm. throughout the year wasn't working, it, and they caught you all on a couple of those. How deflating is that when you're stopping the good stuff and, and you get hit yep. from one of those trick plays? Most definitely. We uh going through last year and seeing that once we've stopped a lot of teams on multiple drives consecutively, like uh they came out with a lot of trick plays, and we just have to be ready for that. And our coaches stressed on that. That one us like once we stop the pass game or the run game or they the, the the certain schemes that they like to do often, then they're gonna go to trick plays to get us off our feet and uh, take advantage of our undisciplined eyes. All right, that was Malik Thompson. We're gonna take our last break, come back, and we're gonna hear from Artiste Johnson as we're getting closer to Marshall and NC State. The Wolfpack coming in to Jones E. Edwards Stadium, and we'll have more on that game when we continue with this edition of The Drive, presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of The Drive, presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center we got a few minutes before we say goodnight, so let's make the best use of it. I've got Artis Johnson. Again, I'm talking to these guys on Monday. Let's kind of get a feel for what was that transition like between getting set for South Carolina and then all of a sudden you're told that, okay, we're getting ready for North Carolina State, NC State. So uh, here's Artis Johnson's response to that as we preview the game with NC State. Uh, yeah, we were kind of down about us, you know, not playing in South Carolina, you know, due to the hurricane or whatever. But um, we also took that time to get our bodies back, you know, uh, relax a little bit and focus more on NC State, you know, you know, getting to know them and getting to know, you know, their schemes and, and what they do. So uh, I felt like um, it was an advantage for us for us to get ready to play them and, and get ready for the game. So and have a good week of practice. So. Now, Marshall's seen NC State, NC State seen Marshall, so this one isn't as hard to get ready for. You know, this isn't just a point you haven't played in a while. But what is different about them? What have you seen, What have, you know, just putting it on film, what do they do this year that maybe they, they used to do, still do, or they're different? You know, what have you seen? Uh, I feel like this year, um, the quarterback they have at the- Back, um, they passed the ball really, really well. 
Um, last year, I felt like they did as well. And, but this year, they're like more of a passing team. And um, um, they run the ball as well, but um, they more pass. So uh, I feel, you know, comfortable playing them and, and letting our DBs, you know, lock down and, and go out there and, and play their game. So. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game. And we're excited. Uh, for me, I I'd rather play play a running team. Yeah. What are the um, I see like a little bit of both. Like um, some, some of them here sit in the pocket and you know go through his reads. And um, there's uh, mo- most of them be like very quick. So you know it's all about um, you know getting pressure on him. You know our D line playing playing well up front and. And you know, just you know, slowing slowing him down in the passing game, and I feel like we'll we'll be in you know pretty good shape as a defense. So, how healthy is this team coming in? I mean, you guys got a chance to really just take it easy. I mean, you mm-hmm. didn't have to go full board, you didn't have to travel, so you guys should be feeling pretty fresh. Even though uh, you know, I'm sure practice wasn't uh, as docked and let up on you guys. I'm sure it took it a little easy. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, practice has been you know as it always has. Um, um, yeah, we're healthy. You know, we're you know we got time to rest and stuff, and and you know that that was a good good for us. And you know this week we gotta you know take practice serious. We gotta you know go out there and and get ready for these guys. So we're gonna work really hard and and make sure that we have everything that we need to you know beat these guys and 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 just go out there and play our game. So what's game day like for you? Not having a game. Uh, it was, I mean, it was kind of boring a little bit. We had practice, but um, uh, it just, you know, it, felt, it didn't feel right, you know. So, um, but, you know, we made use of that time by getting our bodies back right. And, and I had one and made sure that, you know, that we got ready for this team, watch a bunch of film, um, you know. So I felt like we, you know, took advantage of the opportunity we had to, to, to watch film on them and get ready. Player. So while we were watching different college games, you're still watching NC State on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I, I watched a couple few of the games. And I didn't get to check NC State out, but I seen you know some of the highlights and I watched film on them. So, but um, you know, it's a pretty good, solid team. So, no question. That's Artis Johnson. As we get you closer to Marshall and NC State now, coming up tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit more about this game. We'll get you set for the big shows coming up from the big men. That's right. Thursday, we bring out all the big guns. We're going to have Doc Holliday tomorrow. Doc Holliday call-in show is going to be at 7 o'clock. And before that, Inside Herd Athletics with Marshall University Athletic Director Mike Hamrick. That's right. The heavy guns are coming out tomorrow to get you set for game day. For our producer, Gabriel Sellers, I'm Paul Swan. This has been The Drive, presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Don't forget, if you miss any part of the show or you want to listen to it on the podcast, all you have to do is subscribe to The Drive with Paul Swan. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio. We're on TuneIn and wherever you, that's right, wherever you get your podcasts.
for the entire gang here. Thanks for listening. Back tomorrow to do it all over again. Until then, good night, everyone. Station.